are listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. Well, greetings, friends at Sojourn Fairfax. Reed Monahan here from Power of Change. Glad to join you again in your John series. I actually uh, have been with you several times on Sunday mornings. And even in this series in the fall in John chapter 1, we'll be in John chapter 9 today. Uh, But thank you for having me again. Justin's been a friend for a long time, and it's a privilege to serve you, even from a a shed quarters uh, here in Blacksburg, Virginia. My ministry is dedicated to impacting and influencing the coming generation with the gospel, particularly in post-Christendom Western uh, culture. And I do that through three ways. First, we strengthen and equip churches, pastors, parents, men uh, to be more effective with the coming generation. I also share the gospel directly with young people. Any given year, I'm on a university campus or in a high school uh, football stadium preaching the good news of Jesus. And finally, we help thoughtfully engage our cultural moment with the gospel. And we do that through a podcast called The Gospel Underground, which is a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. It's a little bit about me. If you haven't uh, seen me before, it's great to join you in your living rooms or in your watch party, wherever you may be today. We're continuing John's gospel, and you've seen various themes that have arisen. That Jesus is the light of the world, uh, that he quite literally sets people free from sin and death. And today we pick up another kind of large theme, the theme of seeing or sight. Now recently, Apple uh, Incorporated, the house that uh, Steve Jobs built, um, launched a streaming TV service called Apple TV Plus. I don't know if you have that or not, or interested or not. You get it free with iPhones and Macs and stuff like that now. Uh, But there was a show that was of great interest to my wife and I. One, because it featured Aquaman, uh, Jason Momoa, big huge dude, right? Um, But it also was kind of science fiction fantasy. Now, we didn't actually watch this show. We looked at the kind of guide of it, and it looked a little too violent for my wife's taste. So we haven't watched that together. But it's kind of a post-apocalyptic world that had this fascinating main idea. In In the world in which this show is set in, Every single person is now blind. There's no one that can see. Now, when you think about seeing, what exactly is that? Well, certainly it's a phenomenon uh, involving eyes, lenses, optical nerves, electrical transmissions in our brains, a sense of color, shape, uh, depth perception in our consciousness. And it's something profoundly taken for granted in our world. Did you realize there's over 8 million Americans with a visual disability of some sort in America? Today, in our text, we're going to see a man who was born blind. But I'd also be remiss if I didn't at least briefly share one other aspect of the word seeing. You see, a proper discernment of reality can be called the ability to see. A tight grasp or understanding about what is true or what is good or what is real is also called 
sight. We have phrases all the time, right? Like, ah, I see. Oh, let, let, let me help you to see, right? Or, hey, look, you are not seeing things here properly. I may have said this um, to my teenagers uh, a few times in life. Well, today my message is simply entitled Blindness. And we're going to be in John chapter 9. Long story, go ahead and get there on your phone or your, or your Bible if you're using old school paper books, which we all still love. Obviously, I got a little book buying issue myself. But I want to structure the message today, blind. That's my title, blindness. I want to structure it with four question words. You know, who, what, where, why, those kind of question words. And here they are. If you're a note taker, write these down. This is where we're going in this text. Number one, why is this happening? Number two, um, how did this take place? Uh, number three, what happened? And then number four, who was involved here? Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this story about Jesus interacting with real people, and particularly this man who was born without the ability to see. And Lord, you want to teach us something great through this text that we might actually be able to see something very important. And so, Lord, I just pray you would open the eyes of our hearts that we might see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, verses one through five, why? As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. This is the business of Jesus to do the work that the Father sent him to do. Now, believing scholars place this uh, interaction likely in Jerusalem sometime between the Feast of the Tabernacles and the Feast of the Dedication. And Jesus comes uh, across this person that very clearly has been blind from birth. This was his condition. Now, the common explanation in the ancient world for situations like this, for infirmities or disabilities, would be that God or whatever, the gods of the people were not pleased with somebody or something. Someone had sinned. And that's where this question from the disciples comes from. Who sinned? This man or his mom and daddy, right? It's a very good question. You see, in the Bible, sin and suffering are connected at a macro level. At the large level, we live in a world with suffering and brokenness as the result of the fall. That this world is, in fact, not as it should be. It is cursed, it is broken, it is sinful. But even though that's true, it is not true. And this is what John's Gospel is making clear to us. It is not true that every issue of suffering on a micro level was caused by the person or their parents. So the question is, why is he blind? What did he or his mama do, right? Why? Well, this is a complex situation. It's not a simple answer. Why? Was it his fault or some sort of generational fault? Why? God has a purpose for this man. 
This is something very important about the work of Jesus Christ. His work is personal with persons. It's shared with other human beings. Like He's like, hey, we work because I'm, we're doing the work the Father sent us to do. His purpose in the world was the works of God in this person's life. He is the light of the world. While he was in the world, this is what we do. And here's the thing. The situation that we enter here in this story is like this so that something can be displayed, something can be showed off. And good works are always the work of God going public. Good works are the work of the gospel going public. Good works, like healing, are works that take the glory of God public. That is why this is happening. How is it happening? Look with me with verse 6 through the first part of 15. Having said these things, Jesus spit on the ground and he made mud with saliva. Now, there's all kind of debate of why he did this, but he certainly is using some intermediary. He could have just said, see, right? But he goes down, he spits, which some folks would think is nasty, right? Unclean, religiously unclean even. And he uses the dirt of the ground to put on the man's eyes. And he said to him, hey, go wash off now in the pool of Siloam, uh, which means scent. And he went back and he washed and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before, that he was a beggar, saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, it is he. And others said, no, but it is like him. But he kept saying, I am the man. Now, here's what happens. They said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, This man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go and wash. And he went and washed and received his sight. And they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I don't know. And then they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. And now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made mud and opened his eyes. So, or therefore, the Pharisees asked again, How did you receive his sight. Now, here's what happens. Jesus helps this guy. He heals this guy with some sort of agency, right, on the Sabbath day. John wants to make it very clear that that's when this took place. Now, he he takes this man in a situation of brokenness, brings wholeness and healing to him, but because or therefore it was the Sabbath day, the religious authorities go looking for Jesus. Now, when you hear Pharisees, uh, Sabbath day, you got to hear like, Dun, 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 dun. Sorry, my family loves Star Wars. But yeah, this is about to get real. It's about to get serious. And the man said to them, this is the what. How did, you know, how did this happen? Well, Jesus used mud and healed this man. Why did it happen? The glory of God. Now, third, what? Verses 15 through 34. This is a long section. I'm going to go quickly. And the man said, he put mud on my eyes, I wash and I see. So some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. How do they know this? For he does not keep the Sabbath, right? This was part of the commandments of God is that work for six, rest for seven, do nothing. And so they got very particular during this time about what qualified. Is a guy bleeding out? Can you help him? Um, Jesus was very clear on other occasions. It is good to do good on the Sabbath. But others said, hey, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs, miracles? 
and there was a division among them. So the, the, the religious authorities are arguing, is this guy from God or not? And so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. And he's one sent from God to speak the words of God to the people of God. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight. So they're like, this miracle is not real. Until they called the parents of the man who had been re- received his sight, and they asked him, hey, is this your boy? Is this your son who you said was born blind? Then how does he now see? And his parents answers, hey, we, we know that this is our son, and we know, right, that he was born blind. But how he sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, right? He, he, he's grown folk, man. I ask him, don't ask us. He will speak for himself. And then John puts in what's called a parenthetical here, right, to explain why they were saying this. His parents said these things because they feared these, these Jewish leaders, right, for the Jews had already uh, agreed that anyone should confess uh, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, because of this, his parents said, ask him, right, he's grown, he is of age. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. You better honor the right person. We know this man is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, uh, I do not know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. One thing I know. Look, when you're blind and, and all of a sudden you're not, you know that took place. I remember when I became a Christian studying physics at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I was there in a wrestling scholarship. Uh, my dad was an atheist guy. I was kind of an agnostic, didn't really believe in God. And I know when God came into my life, forgave me of my sins, and gave me a revelation or an ability to see who Jesus was, I knew it. There's no doubt when you were blind and you were given sight what happened in this occasion. So they said to him, what did he do to you? They keep asking the same questions. How did he open his eyes? But he answered them, I've told you already. You didn't listen. Why? You're not listening. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? Y'all into? And they reviled him. They hating on him. They despised what this guy is saying, and they said, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he even comes from. The man answers, why? This is an amazing thing. Yeah, the guy's like, yeah, figure this out. This is amazing to me. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. It's a miracle. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but anyone who is a worshiper, God does his will. God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone has opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And here's what the Pharisees say. Pay attention to this. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Now, if you remember, very beginning of this narrative... The question was, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, neither, that this is so the work of God could be displayed in him. What did the Pharisees arrive at at the end? 
You were born in utter sin. This is the original question, and they get it wrong. So what happens here? A true miraculous healing of a blind man took place, and they punished the one who gave testimony to it. Now our fourth question, why, how did it happen, what happened? Our fourth question, who, in verses 35 through 41, who's involved here? Jesus heard that they had cast him out and found him and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? So he's asking the man he healed, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered him, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Now here's the outcast, right? The one who's been put out of the synagogue, declared unclean, a sinner, uh, get out, right? He is sought out by Jesus and found. You see that? And Jesus asks him a question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, this is a direct question as to Jesus' identity. Uh, This Son of Man title is a fascinating one when you look at Old and New Testament. It's actually attributed to Jesus on 50 uh, direct occasions in the New Testament. And almost, and some would argue every single time, it's Jesus talking about himself. In other words, this is his most often used title for who he is, the Son of Man. Where does it come from? Well, this is a direct allusion to the imagery of the divine king in Daniel chapter 7. And two scholars and pastors, Alistair Begg, Sinclair Ferguson, in their book, Name Above All Names, summarize a great chapter. If you, you want to grab this book, read this chapter on the Son of Man. They summarize this title. And they say this, this is what it means to be the son of man. It means to be made in God's image and to fulfill the divine destiny that would lead to a world ordered and completed as God's garden extending to the ends of the earth. So creation as God's image, unique fellowship with him, experiencing God's love and affection, being given a glorious destiny, all of this is wrapped up in Jesus' expression, Son of Man. He is the one who will accomplish all of this. When Jesus says, hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? He says, who's that? So I can believe in him. Jesus answers, right, in verse 37. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. This is one of those moments, right? This is like, this is like the, the mic drop moment where Jesus just reveals in all fullness that he is the one sent from God to save all things, renew all things, and be the king of kings of all things. Our questions, why? That the work of God might be displayed. How? By the hand of Jesus, with authority, beyond mere human authority. What is he doing? He's healing. God's appointed and anointed one, the Messiah or Christ, is doing this. And who is he? Well, the question is answered in the healed man's response. When Jesus said, do you want to believe in the Son of Man? He says, who is this? He says, I'm the guy. The response we see in verse 38 answers the question. We understand who Jesus is by his works, his identity, his character, his revelation. 
when we understand what he has done, what he's doing for people. In our world, we do two things. He said, Lord, I believe. And, and, And he worshiped him. This confession, Lord, right? This is a title that was reserved in the ancient world for uh, divine people, uh, certainly in the Greco-Roman world where the Caesar was said, Caesar is Lord, this kind of weird political worship, sycophantic worship of political or power, earthly powers. Caesar is Lord. Christians resisted that by saying, look, we don't, we don't worship the powers that be in this world. Jesus is Lord. And this is the title this man used, Lord I believe, and he worshiped him. We confess who he is, and we worship Jesus. We bow the knee, and Jesus then gives a purpose statement in verse 39. For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. This is Jesus' purpose. Salvation through judgment, both the judgment of God on intentional, willful blindness and the mercy of God on those who are trapped in darkness, who need to be able to see. Now, this text ends with who Jesus is talking to. It becomes very clear in verse 40, where the Pharisees, right, they're like, uh, uh, you talking to me? The Pharisees said, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. You see, friends, uh, the creators of the television show see with a world in which everyone is blind. It's not that hard to imagine. In fact, this healing story here in John chapter 9 is as much about blindness as it is about the miracle of giving back a man his sight. Jesus says to these religious leaders, you claim to see, but what you actually need to see is that you are guilty before God, and they won't see it. Jesus is very clear, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, And those who may see may become blind. Hear this, Sojourn. Christians should not be the people who claim to see and no one else does. Oh, we see. All y'all don't. We should be the people that claim that Jesus sees and gives sight to the blind, including us and many, 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 many others who have yet to come to see. This is a warning that Jesus gives to the dedicated religious people of his day. This is out of Matthew's Gospel, verse uh, chapter 23, 23 and 24. Woe to you, boo, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin. So they got the spice rack right. They're tithing, uh, giving a tenth to the service of God. But neglected weighty matters of the law, weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness, these you ought to have done 
without neglecting the others. You blind guides. Here's that word again, blind guides. Straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. You see, God's people should be about the work of God. Justice, mercy, faithfulness, and not about just the religious minutia of the day. There is a second warning that is recorded in the the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus. This is in chapter 3. And the angel to the church of Laodicea write this, the words of the Amen. When you like, (laughs) who's called the Amen? Well, Jesus is. The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would you be either hot or cold? But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may clothe yourselves, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. See, if you're a Christian listening to this today, you need to open your eyes to see Jesus as you follow him, that we would humble ourselves, that we might have true riches, clothed in his goodness, unashamed of him, and walking in this world for his purposes, justice, mercy, faithfulness. And friend, if you're listening in today and someone sent you this video and you may wonder what to make of all this. Maybe you're like me, grew up outside of religion or church or anything like that. I want to ask you today, what are the foundations of, of your life? Is it money? Is it power? Is it health? These foundations are uh, poor, fractured foundations to build a life upon. And who is it that leads you to the truth today? Who is it that leads you to the truth today? Is it politicians? Is it, uh, is it the media? Is it your people on Twitter? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Do you see him? Where will you find forgiveness for your sins, healing for your own brokenness? You see, sin is not just out there in everybody else, in the opponents that we make, in the political things that we do. No, sin is also in here. And then that expands from us out into our worlds that we make. In this woman, in this man is where forgiveness is needed so that we might live and act differently according to the purpose of God. Here's the truth, and Jesus gave it to us. Those who do not see, Jesus wants us not to be blind, but he wants to lift the blindness of everyone so that we may truly see. See your need, your need for forgiveness. The right judgment of God is coming upon all of time and history and everyone who has lived. We want to see Jesus for who he is, the divine sent Messiah, son of God, son of man, God's king. We want to see not only the king, but his kingship, his sacrifice, his leadership in all of life for us. And we want to see his coming kingdom, a kingdom when all things will be made new, sickness, disease, injustice, all the things that are wrong will be made right. Jesus said, behold, see, right? Look at it. I am making 
all things new. The healing here, the healing in our lives is but a foretaste. The kingdom of heaven is reality. Do you see it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the friends joining this video from wherever you have them in your world. And Lord, if there's anybody hurting, I pray that they would cry out to you and find healing and peace and even sight to see and understand circumstances. And if there's anybody joyful, let them sing songs of praise. Let the living rejoice in the resurrected work of God in our lives. Let those who know, one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. Let them rejoice and sing songs of praise. And Lord, thank you for friendship across miles through technology. Thank you for every friend at Sojourn Fairfax. I thank you for their leaders, uh, their humility. I just pray you would strengthen and give them the wisdom, insight, and understanding they need to follow you in a world of pandemics, a world of uh, injustice, a world of unrest, a world that's uh, gone mad. Lord, we know this world is broken and you are bringing a kingdom and I pray that we'd see that follow you in this time and place, rejoicing for all you've done for us in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace.